Hey, what's up, podcast? It's Jeff, and you are listening to a special bonus episode of Teach Better Talk. This is audio pulled from one of our daily drop-ins. That's right, daily drop-ins are back every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time over on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. This is happening from November 23rd all the way to December 18th, so join us on any of the social media platforms. We are at Teach Better Team for our daily drop-ins. We're here to support you answering questions, talking about fun stuff, bringing on special guests, anything you need, we're here for you. Join us for the daily drop-ins. Let's get into this special bonus episode. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Drop-In with the Teach Better team. I am joined with Megan here this morning. My name is Ray Hewart, and we are really excited to talk shop, take your questions, and do all the things. So please throw your ideas, your comments, your questions in the comments tab, no matter where you're streaming and watching our Daily Drop-In from, either on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or Twitch. And we'll be right back to start the conversation. Morning, everyone. We're so excited to have our daily drop-in. This is our last Tuesday for these daily drop-ins. Isn't that kind of sad? It is. It's so sad. I'm like, what am I going to do with my morning next week? Oh, no. And or my morning. Seriously, I had a number of people that were like, Ray, I'm going to have to watch the recap next week because I'm not waking up this early. And I was like, oh, we we don't have it next week. This is the last week. And then there was this like, moment of awkward silence where everyone was like, aw. <laughs> it is. It's so sad. It just becomes such a positive way, I feel like, to start the day. And there's always just, it doesn't matter who's on. There's just always so many good things, so many good takeaways. So No, I totally agree. I love that I'm able to come live this morning with you because we got to have a meeting last night. Okay, I think it was a nine o'clock meeting, but I just want to clarify. It felt like like 1.30 at night, didn't it? Like it was really late. <laughs> It really did. It wasn't like, I feel like nine o'clock is just now late for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's me old or not, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have felt the same way where I was like, oh, I get to go live with Megan tomorrow. And I'm like, didn't I just see her like two hours ago? No, but that was last night. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I am so thrilled that everyone watching here. Good morning. Happy daily drop in Tuesday. We are live every single morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern to talk shop, take questions, hang out, do all the things. Megan and I are both classroom teachers full time. And so while we definitely could talk shop about all the things that are going on with the Teach Better team, we also just want to catch up and kind of check in on how our classrooms are going because Megan and I like seemingly talk all the time, but don't get to you know, share all that with all of you. So we're thrilled, thrilled to be here this morning. I do want to say good morning to everyone commenting. I love all the comments. If you are watching this right now, throw your name, say good morning, say hello, ask a question in the comments. Really, really fun to see you. And Joe Gonzalez obviously is one of our favorites. So hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. We also have Nikki here. Hi, Nikki. Good to see you. Good morning. Uh, And Carly Spina's in the house. And Kylie, this is just a great, great way to kick it all off. Megan, I know that you go live all the time, but I really want to ask you to share a little bit about your role in the classroom, which is just good context because we're going to be talking a lot about the classroom today. And then if you don't mind your role on the team, because you have one of the coolest jobs on the team. And so I kind of always wish 
that like I was in your shoes because <laughs> you get to have all the fun. So can we touch on both those things? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so in the classroom, I am a seventh grade math teacher in the suburbs of Chicago. And then for the Teach Better team, I do have like the best job. Uh, I am one of the ambassador program coordinators, which means I literally get to do all things like ambassador program. And in case you don't know, our ambassadors are like literally the greatest people in the entire world. And I just love, love, love them. So yes, I really do. I really do have like the best job there. You do. Like, and, talk to them all the time work with Andrea all the time. So like between the ambassador fam, who is like the coolest group of educators ever that I get, I just like literally pop into anything they do to get the positive energy they share. But then also to work with Andrea and baby Luke, like, is there anything better? There's not. There really isn't. I just am the luckiest. It's awesome. Uh, it's so fun. Um, you know, last that was our meeting last night. I know we're not spilling secrets. This is totally like not scripted, but Last night, we had a really good meeting about some things coming in 2021 with the Ambassador Program. We did. It is. It, it was a super exciting meeting. Again, I know it felt like it went to like 1 a.m., which it didn't. But it was, I, there was just so much. We're so pumped up. We're so excited about this. And we just have so many good things coming for the Ambassador Program. It's so fun. I cannot wait until you guys see all the things that we have planned because that was brand new this year. Like it just launched this summer. We brought in 20 ambassadors and it's been a wild ride watching this really, really like loving cohort, like really, really grow together. And I'm thrilled that we're going to be able to do some fun things in 2021. Uh, super, super fun. I do want to say hello. We've shared the comments uh, already on the screen, but for those of you who are maybe watching um, and just listening from afar, or if you are listening to this after the fact as a bonus episode of the Teach Better Talk podcast, we have Kate with us, Brandon's here, Adam's here, Jody and Dave. Oh, Dave, Dave Schmidt in the house. So, you know, it's, we know we can start now because Dave's here. Yes. So fun. You know, Megan, um, I don't know about you, but this morning has been busy. I had a morning meeting and then now I'm live with you in the daily drop-in. And then I assume just like me, we're both walking into, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, walking into our classroom after this live. Um, are you doing anything with students today that, I don't know, might be cool? Um, you know, we always, they, they ask me that all the time, like if they're out of date, they're like, did I miss anything? I'm like, guys, it's like literally always the best day ever in class. So of course you did. Yeah. Um, we're actually working on, it's funny, I was, we're working on graphing and I'm trying to teach them how to graph, which I have realized as of yesterday is so hard to do virtually. Yeah. So yeah, we had some moments yesterday. I was like, guys, it's okay. Like this is hard. Right. It, it'd be hard in person. It's hard virtually. You're killing it. It's fine. We're going to keep going. Um, today I'm actually, we are doing math, but um, I am going to have them tell me like one thing that they think that I don't know about them. Yeah. So I just kind of want to keep building that connection with them. And of course I've, you know, had them since August getting to know them, but I figured that was kind of a cool, like, Tell me something you don't think I know about you yet. And just to change it up, learn something new about them today as we are getting closer and closer to break. Absolutely. It's always good to, you know, we don't have to necessarily teach content the whole time. Like there are so many other things that we need to do with kids. So continuously learning about them is a huge 
huge part. I do like this comment here, middle school math teachers unite. For those of you who don't know, I am also a middle school math teacher. So we are having like this really cool clan up here right now of these middle school math like dork teachers. So we are very, very happy to be here for sure. Um, Adam says, uh, my amazing sister cooking will test. Good. Tell them good luck. Um, and then I like this idea of like asking your students what they don't know what, or what you may not know about them. Megan, what's something we don't know about you? You know, Dave and I played this game. On I know. In the brain break, it was so good, Megan. I watched that brain break and I was laughing out loud. I was watching the replay. Oh my God, so funny. Yeah, if you haven't watched it, it's probably worth it a good laugh just to watch me like fumble over famous bears and not really know them and then get made fun of. So. Wait, can I clarify though? When Dave said famous bears, I thought the same thing that you did where I was like, oh, bears like football. And then they were like, no, like teddy bears. I'm like, whoa, I would have gotten that whole thing wrong. <laughs> yes. I'm so happy he at least clarified that part before I started talking because then I would have been like, way off and that probably would have been worse um right. shout out to everybody who helped me out in the comments of that brain break because that's the only reason i got like any of those pairs yes absolutely i we do have a lot of comments of people coming in sharing what they teach i love that nikki said shout out to high school math teachers jody's saying middle school science and social studies teachers i really really like this uh alex is jumping in trying to play the bear game again which again if you did not see that brain break Brain breaks happen every single Wednesday, I think at four o'clock central, five o'clock Eastern. And Dave last week played with Megan. And I'm just saying, I'm a Jeff Gargas fan, but you replaced him really, really well. So I actually think that that should be a new thing. If you could just put Jeff out of the brain breaks and just have it be Dave and Megan, I, I think we could do it. Sounds good. He does have some very big shoes to fill tomorrow. So we'll see. We'll see how he does. It's true. We'll see what it is. So Megan, what is something that they don't know about you? Because you did kind of play this on the brain break because you played two truths and a lie. And that was something that I just want you to know that I was listening to you and I was cooking on my stove. So I wasn't watching. I was just listening and you were listing them and out loud by myself. I was like, that's true. Nope. That one's the lie. That one's true. Like I was very much invested in this game. You should know. I really, you know, I really thought I had some good ones. And then everybody in the comments like had mine. I was like, well, clearly I need better ones. Um, well, so I think it's because the two truths you gave were so Megan that the third yeah. it was like process of elimination, it wasn't that they knew it was a lie, but they knew the other two were so accurate. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I thought about that. I was like, I didn't think I shared that much, but clearly I do, um, which is fine. Uh, I guess, well, if you were watching the brain break, you would know this. Um, one thing that you may not know is that I love giraffes. Like, I just love them. If I could have one, I would. Yeah. Um, I'll say this one, a lot of people don't know, and it's totally going to be, maybe it's the math teacher in me or just makes me a total nerd. I don't know. Um, I love anything like finance related, like finance, like financial literacy. So like my kids, I know it totally makes me a nerd, but like my kids, like I, well, when we were in person, like we run a bank system, they get paid. Um, they get paid weekly. They apply for jobs. Like they have a store. So like, I am all about teaching them those things. And so I love kind of mixing that in as much as possible. Like if I could just teach like a middle school, like financial class, that would be just like my jam. So Megan, I really want to get into that. However, I do want to give a scolding to Dave Schmidow. 
our team, the Teach Better team, had like a private team get together Friday night, and there was lots of secrets shared. Like, let's just say this was a late Friday night, 16 Teach Better team members talking about green bean casserole pork and tattoos. I just want all of you to know that. And I will say that if our network wants to know things, we will always share. We try and be as transparent as possible. But Dave, I'm not answering any of these questions unless somebody else asks them. So I'm sorry, Dave, we are not going to be talking about green bean casserole, eating pork or any tattoos unless anyone else in our network is actually interested in that. So stop spilling our secrets. Um, Megan, you've been on the Daily Drop-In numerous times. One of my favorite daily drop-ins you did, and I don't know if this was back in the spring when these started back in March, or if it was something when it was like back to school, but you shared about your finance system in your classroom. And I remember interviewing you and my mouth was on the floor. I was like, no way, this is the coolest thing ever. And I asked so many questions. For people who may have like not caught that episode, can you give us some in-depth looking and maybe just tell us what it looked like before COVID because I'm confident in a remote learning setting, it looks different. But what is this system? How do you use it? Why is it important to you? I think it's the coolest thing ever. That's definitely. Um, so I teach seventh grade and obviously like our first unit is a lot of like really introducing our kids to positives and negatives. And again, I totally am just a nerd and love the finance thing anyways. And at least like for me throughout school, and I'm sure it's changed now, but like, I never really had, like I had economics in high school, but I never really had like a, I don't know, like a financial class that like teaches you like, here's how to write a check and here's how to like, you know, balance your bank account and stuff. And now don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, you know, oh, so many people just do everything online and how many people really write checks anymore. But no, I do. I still write a check. There's two things in my life that I have to write checks for consistently. And so I just, I feel like they're very just important, even just the idea of like, okay, I have, this is like how much money I make. And this is like what I have to spend and budgeting. Like, I just love all that. So um, I had seen something online of another teacher doing like something similar. So I was like, I, it was literally probably a week before we went back to school last year. I was like, no, I'm doing this. This is happening. Um, so the premise really is they get paid a certain amount of money per week to do their job, which is they're in my classroom and they're doing their work. And as long as they are showing up for me every day and they are doing their work, then they are getting paid. It's also an incentive for me. Well, I mean, for them to be doing their work every day, which is exactly like partially what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to start to so like, I had things in my classroom that I was doing that I was like, well, the kids could be do like the kids could be doing this, you know, like I had pencils that would get borrowed every day. Like somebody could be collecting those. Somebody can make sure my calculators, you know, we have a classroom set. Somebody can make sure that those are there. Somebody can erase my whiteboards. If I'm, you know, if we're using them, I have, I had like a folder system where every kid had a folder. Somebody can pass those out. Somebody can collect those. So they could apply, but I wanted them to actually have to like fill out some sort of application. Not exactly what they would fill out like in real life, but close. Um, so they had to really tell me like what job they wanted, why they thought that they would be good at it, what skills they had. And then those jobs lasted for a month and they got paid for those too. And so I made checks and I actually like made them very generic. So I would put like math student and let's say I paid them $40 a week for working. It was for $40 and then I laminated them. That way, like I didn't have to, I could reuse those checks all the time. So every 
Friday, either after school or Monday morning, I would put their checks in their folders. And then come Monday when they got to class, they would get to cash that in and put that in their bank. So I had a banker that did that for me. Um, and there's a website, it's called mykidsbank.org. It's free to set up classroom bank accounts. So they each had their bank account. They could check in anytime they wanted. And then I had like a store set up in my classroom where I had school supplies that they could buy. Um, I had the other stuff. So we do like the house system. They could buy house points or they could um, like pay to like um, take some like points away from another house. And then I also had, um, they paid me rent and internet bill every month. So just, again, just the idea of like, if you want this, this is how much money you've made, you know, this is how much money you have to pay. So it was just kind of a really great way to like teach them those concepts mm-hmm. and help them learn that like, well, when you guys have a job, like these are the type of, some of the things that you're going to have to pay for, or at least think about as you're making your money. What I really love about this, Megan, is you're not only teaching skills that I think are essential, but you're teaching a lot of like common adulting uh, experiences. So it's not necessarily like how to write a check, like that is so valuable, but you're also communicating what's it like to make money? What can you make money for? How can this now impact you? And I think that conversation is so organic in your classroom that I love that your students have the opportunity to have those conversations without giving them a worksheet saying, hey, read about why money is important and then let's discuss it. But you're really making that real world connection in a way that's then going to organically allow students to be uh, inquisitive, which I really, really, really appreciate. You know, Danielle uh, posted a comment here that I would love to touch on. And I don't know if you've made this shift, but this idea of giving students jobs is something I believe in so wholeheartedly. Your examples of how many different jobs, quote unquote, a student can have in a classroom, especially uh, prior to COVID, is so, so important for us to be implementing. I always like to consider if I'm doing something, is it possible for a student to be doing it instead? So that mindset's really important. However, she's specifically asking about remote learning, that when we get into a remote learning setting, there's just different kind of ebb and flow of how classrooms run and are there opportunities for jobs? And then I'm sure it's even more different in a hybrid setting, are there opportunities for jobs? So have you implemented any job elements during remote learning? Um, Not necessarily connected to earning money like in your finance system, but just in general, giving students ownership over the classroom? You know, that is I was just thinking about this the other day because I truly have not. And it was something that like for a really long time I was struggling with. I was like, what can I, and I do think that there are, like, if I stop and think about it, there are things that like, we have been completely virtual since the beginning. I have not met any of my kids in person yet. Um, Whoa, hold on. I don't think I knew that. You've been completely virtual since August. Yep. I have not been in my classroom with my children, with any of my children. We had so many conversations about you thinking you might go hybrid, but that that's never actually happened. No, the first time when, when we first in August, when they first made that decision, it was through, we're on trimesters Yeah. decided through trimester one, which took us to like November 6th and that we were set to go back that following week or at least start our hybrid. And that's when kind of numbers started to rise. And so they made the decision through winter break. And so now we we are unsure what January looks like. We've heard some 
talk and some ideas, but nothing has been decided. So we really, as of this moment, we really don't know what January looks like and what. Yeah. And I, I think your clarification is perfect. As of this moment at 749 Central on a Tuesday, December 15th, because you know that like in 10 minutes, you could get the email that completely changes everything, but that's just 2020 for us. That's interesting. I'm sorry to interrupt your story. That was, I just couldn't believe that. I'm like, oh my God, we've talked about remote and hybrid so much, just you and me as colleagues that I didn't realize you had literally only been remote all semester. That's insane. Yeah, no. And I think it's, I, I do think, you know, it was, I'm glad I mentioned that because I think that that does kind of change. Like had I been hybrid, there were some things that I, you know, could have at least mm -hmm. instituted job wise. If I really had to stop and think about it, I do think that there are things that probably happen daily that like maybe I'm just not, you know, aware of that my kids will, my kids will do. One of the things I kind of thought was like, I do a daily agenda when like my kids come in, well, come into Zoom every day. And, you know, I have like a would you rather on there. I did give them pretty much the job of filling me the ideas for the would you rather. So that has been something where I'm pulling from them. Um, but even like, you know, we play, I play music when they first come in. So even like, hey, you're in charge of picking the songs every day. You're in charge of, you know, making sure I have a would you rather for the day. Um, so, I mean, little things like that where they can still be a part of, what you're doing and kind of have a say in how their classroom, even virtually, how their classroom runs. And sometimes, again, giving them that ownership, like, means the world. The minute they knew that they got to have input in the would you rathers, they were like, this is the best. So. Well, I like your examples of jobs because really, you're, a lot of your examples have to do with just allowing students' voice in the classroom. And I think that that is so imperative that every educator does, regardless if you have official roles or not, that you are constantly reflecting on what am I doing and how can I incorporate student voice in this experience? So whether it's choosing the songs or being able to share their insight and would you rather or anything in between. I mean, I have like student leaders who monitor my tracking page and keep an eye out for comments with questions. I have I have students who monitor the comment section while we're live. So that way, if a student isn't sharing their voice, that if they put something in the comments, I don't miss it. You know, there's a lot of different opportunities that we can have our students participate, share their voice and take ownership over the classroom. But I think to your point that with remote learning, it does kind of look different because some of the tasks that we're asking them to do doesn't involve them like physically going and doing something like erasing the whiteboard involves somebody standing up, picking up their eraser and erasing something, right? Versus now it's like, hey, could you keep an eye out for comments? The reality is, is that you can encourage all your students to do that right now. And so having having a, that balance between giving every student the opportunity to participate, but then also having certain students really feel that that ownership, that special job of having something specific is, I think, something a lot of teachers are working through right now in remote learning. I would 100% agree. I think it's there are little easy ways to give them voice in in the class or well, virtually yeah. uh, or in the classroom. And again, I like you know the more kids you can give that voice to, the better. Especially now while we're virtual. I do want to give a shout out to everyone throwing in the comments. It's always great to see everyone. We can say hi to Andrea and Joe commented. And we just had a comment here saying, keep up the great work, both of you. We so appreciate that. Um, the daily drop-in is a space where we are 
hanging out, answering questions. We're going to talk shop and continue to discuss the things we're doing in our classroom, but we really can touch on anything. So if you're somebody listening to Megan's Megan sharing about our classroom and you have a specific question, please throw that in the comments. We always appreciate the encouraging comments as well. Thank you to those of you who are so wonderful, always sharing your love. We appreciate you. But this daily drop-in really is for you. So Megan and I are going to keep talking shop. We're also going to highlight a number of things going on with the Teach Better team this week. But feel free to participate because this really is an opportunity for you. And we're trying to provide that as frequently as possible. Um, it's Tuesday. So actually, we're live right now, Megan. But I get to go live with Dave later this evening to talk about his course that launched earlier this month. And then we go live tomorrow for the daily drop-in. And then we have the brain break. I mean, literally, I feel like the Teach Better team's live like 11 times a week. And I used to say that as a joke. And now sometimes we legitimately are live 11 days a week. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. It's I remember like when we first started the daily drop-ins, I was like, man, we're we're getting to the point where we're, we're live a lot. And now I'm like, no, we really, I mean, at least once a day, I feel like there's something. Oh, possible. yeah. Like the... The only day I feel like sometimes we miss are Saturdays. Like very often the team doesn't have a live Saturday, but then there'll be like one on Sunday, three on Monday, two on Tuesday. And I'm like, so we make up for Saturday. Oh yeah. We make up for that. So funny. Um, so Megan, I want to shift gears here a little bit. I, I told you, I kind of wanted to touch on this obviously in a very vague sense, but I had an experience this morning that I think, might resonate with other educators. Do you mind if we shift gears a little bit? Not at all. Okay. So this morning, I had a very, uh, very long day yesterday, woke up early this morning, had a meeting before the daily drop-in, and then have a full day of students. And it's data day today. I don't know if you guys have that at your school, but we're going to go through like intervention options. Like it's, 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 a, it's a tough week, right? Like very, very busy. So I wake up this morning, my alarm goes off at 4.30, I'm looking through my email and I'm like, huh, I have, a, I have a parent email. Like, I'm so excited, this parent email. And then I'm looking and I'm like, hmm, it's time stamped at like 11.15 last night. Never a good sign. So then I clicked over in the email and it was one of those emails where like you weren't reading it, but you just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And you're like, uh-oh, what 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 I do? And it was a it was a not so thrilled email of a parent voicing frustration, concern. Um, and I, it was interesting because in the moment as a teacher, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to respond to this right away. And then I had this moment where I was like, maybe responding to this email at quarter to five in the morning when they had just sent it at 11 may not be the right choice. And so later this afternoon, even though I don't have my plan period today, because you know that happens to teachers all the time, I need to find a way to craft a response to seemingly a frustrated parent um, who has some very serious concerns that need to be addressed, and you know, I you know all that stuff. So, before we get into any like big details, have you ever experienced this before? Yeah, I actually had. It was probably two weeks ago. Um, I just had, you know, something similar. It wasn't actually an email. It was, um, they had contacted my principal. Mm -hmm. um, and so my principal just contacted me. And again, it. I feel like, first of all, I feel like this happens in a normal year anyways. You know, it, it happens. Yeah. And I think that it's hard sometimes when it happens now, because I know that like my immediate thought was, for me, it was like frustration on my end. 
of we're just, you know, like you think of, think of, you know, your days, like you said, and you don't get your plan and like you're busy and you, like, I know, you know, every day we're giving our best to our students and really trying to make sure that they have everything they need. Um, so I've definitely had that. I think it's, it took me a minute to kind of pause and like kind of flip that lens and view it from their side of it and kind of take a step back. And that, that was able to help the situation. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I really, I think it's important for us to consider a few things in an email. There are so many things in an email as an educator that if you hear from a parent, you have immediate reactions to, right? So like the first paragraph of this email was about how I don't understand and, and, and how like that is a concern for them. And, and that's so hard to feel misunderstood, right? I mean, like even just in that initial part of the email, you're like, oh my goodness, like I'm so sad that they don't know that I have the best of intentions for their child. So like that, that brings in an emotional, you know, piece. Then the next paragraph goes into uh, all the things I should have done differently, which then creates a different emotion where you're like, you know what? Like, first of all, like you're probably right. Like there, there are things that I can improve on. And, and on, in some sense, I want to shift my mindset to say, okay, I can learn from this. Like take notes. It's okay that a mistake happened, but there are areas to improve. And I knew that already. So then the third paragraph goes into, you know, um, questioning some of the practices in my classroom. And that brings in a different reaction as a teacher where you're like, well, actually, I don't know that I agree with your mindset on some instructional practices. You know, I've been an educator for however long. And, you know, while I absolutely appreciate the feedback, some of the things that that a parent might be claiming for you to change might be things that you as an educator know isn't what's best for students. Um, so that can be challenging. So as you go through this email, I think it's interesting as a teacher to really try and understand that anything in this email, first of all, needs to be taken with a grain of salt, but also trying to shift your mindset to really change the conversation to be positive. So one of the main elements of this email that I want to emphasize is I don't think this conversation is valuable over email. Like, let's hop on a phone call. This email really, really showed me that this conversation needs to allow us to have a conversation and, and discussion um, together, but then also wanting to make sure that they truly understand that I have the best of intentions for their child, because just as much as they feel like at 11 o'clock at night, they're advocating for their child's well-being, I feel that same way of wanting like to say, yes, I love that you're being an advocate for your for your student. I, this is what I do every single day too. Like, thank you for being a partner in this experience, whether you think I did, you know, wrong or not is almost irrelevant. I'm so thrilled that they are saying, I care about my daughter. I want to be here and, and make sure that, that, that being heard and for the teachers to sit back and be like, yes, good. I wish all of my parents were being advocates for their child in the same sense, you know, even though it doesn't feel good in the moment. No, I absolutely love that. I think that that is a huge, a huge piece to look at is like, regardless of how the email looked or read, right. that parent is willing to voice their concerns mm -hmm. and willing to like open up that line of communication, which I think is huge. And I, I agree. I think it's very, very difficult. Is an email easier? Yes, obviously it saves you, it saves you time, but I don't, 
you know, I don't always feel like in email you get the, you really get across what you're trying to say. And they, you know, and I agree there, it, it doesn't mean you're, you and the parent are going to agree on everything. Like there are things in my classroom that aren't going to change. It's just, and, and that's, that's okay. But I also think like a lot of times, I mean, with the parent that I was talking to, part of it was just a complete misunderstanding of like what was going on and like all of the support and resource that like is available. So that like clearing up that piece right there was huge. So I, I definitely agree with you. I love, first of all, that that parent is even open to like having a conversation advocating for their child. Cause that, especially right now, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head that like so many of these issues between a teacher and a parent more often than not is a miscommunication. And I think that the reality is, is like miscommunications are a part of life, especially we're dealing with children. Perspectives are different. And, you know, like you're kind of hearing what's that game where you say something and then you say to somebody else and they say to somebody else, it's kind of like information gets skewed. Um, but I, I really value your mindset on really treating the parent as a partner, wanting to help them understand, but also really confirming, like, I am so appreciative that you brought this conversation to me so that we can be a team together. I think that's a reality of any conversation that anytime you're working with somebody else and you can have honest dialogue that also is extremely supportive where you're saying, you know, like, I see your perspective. I'm so appreciative that you were able to share that with me is extremely valuable. Do you have a system in place, Megan, where you like kind of know, and I know your example doesn't really um, pertain to this, but an example where you're like, this conversation shouldn't happen over email. I'm going to pick up the phone. Like, because I think that decision actually can alleviate a ton of stress. And um, it like hindsight, so I was 2020. When I got the email this morning that I was reading, I'm like, ooh, should this have been a phone call in my initial email? Like, did I miss it? Should this have been a, a phone call two days ago? Or I guess it was last week, you know, and, and now it's where it is now. It, had I maybe picked up the phone, maybe this email wouldn't exist. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I think that like you're, I, you're always going to, I'm sorry. I see a lot of you commenting like, Hey, I have to go, but is this conversation saved? Yes. Everything, the daily drop in <laughs> it's streamed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. You can grab this conversation anywhere on there. It's also a bonus episode of teach better talk podcast. So if you need to go have a wonderful day, but we would love to have you share your thoughts when you have the time to check in with the rest of this conversation later. So I hope you guys have a good day, but go ahead, Megan, sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. Um, I think that I always kind of have that thought whenever I get an email, it, it kind of always looks back to like, should this have been like not prevented, but like, could this have been like a phone call at the beginning? Mm -hmm. I think now it's even harder because again, at this point in time, like for example, parent teacher conferences, obviously that looked very, very different this year. Mm -hmm. Um, everything has looked different this year. So I think that for me, if it has to do with the way, because I use the grid method, we, you know, we really focus on mastery in our classroom. So if it really has to do with that, it's usually for me more of a phone call because I think that that is something that can very easily get lost in translation. And a lot of times the way that my kids choose to communicate that to the parents, unfortunately comes out as, well, they don't like teach 
me anymore, which is not true. And like, then the kids will try to explain it and they explain it, you know, very well. But when they initially say they don't teach me anymore, you know, you're like, no, 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 that's not, that's not what it is. Um, so I think that things like that, it's just way easier to have that phone call. I also think for me, if depending on the email, like if I email or they email me, and it turns into like, all right, we've got two emails and we're still kind of having, I feel like the same, then I'm like, we're just going to get on the phone. Yeah. Um, cause we can go back and forth, you know, all day. And again, it's, I talk to my kids about this all the time. It sometimes what you mean to say is, well, is not, um, it, so it's very easy to get lost in translation in an email. So I think that mm-hmm. if that's usually kind of where I'll be like, okay, I need to, make the phone call instead of just, you know, trying to explain this via email. I like that mindset of like, if we've gone back and forth once or twice, then it's probably a a, a red flag. Like, will this be solved easier in a conversation? And not even because there's tension in the tone, but maybe more so like, it will just be easier if you call. So you won't have to wait for the the lag time of responses as well. Right. So um, I've thought a lot about maybe every email that I send should have a little, you know, people have like quotes at the end of their emails or things like that. Like maybe there's something like not a fan of email question mark, like let's hop on a phone call or something that really emphasizes, Hey, if a parent ever emails me, if they would prefer to hop on a call, I'm available. And I think that that is kind of a more of a mindset shift than anything else of, you know, email is a great tool for a yes or no question. But really for any discussion, just like with our students, it's more powerful, it's better when you're doing it somehow either virtually over the phone that allows them to hear tone and hear expression just differently. Um, I think that's really true. So let's go through tips and tricks, Megan, if you don't mind. Like, What are some tips and tricks that we can offer people when writing an email? Um, One thing that I'm currently practicing is time. So for example, like I read the email this morning at 5 a.m. I had kind of like a crafted response in my head. I chose not to send that, even though I think that my crafted response would have been very professional. Like I I really do like love this parent and their child is like such a, such a, such a sweetheart. So this is not like a, like, oh, I wrote this scathing email in my mind, but it's like, okay, so what type of response would I have? And then I didn't write it. So it was in my brain. I left it unread and I moved forward with my day. And I think that like time can be a huge factor. One of the things I like to think about is write the email maybe in your brain or think about your response, but then give it that time so you can shift from being emotional, even though you're trying not to be being emotional in your response and then just being professional and, you know, focused in your response. You know, they don't need to. I think that that helps me like time gives me some ease in not responding with more emotion than I think is probably appropriate. Absolutely. And I think that there are so many times and me included, I feel like I need to respond right away because I feel like they need a response right away. But that unfortunately, sometimes like, I don't know of anybody that's going to read an email like the one that you got and just be like, Oh, this is great. You know, you're going to, you're going to feel some sort of way, especially with everything going on right now. You know, there's just a lot more stress than normal. And so your immediate reaction that's fine. But like you said, sit with that. Like don't respond right away because then the only thing that you're doing is a probably responding in a way that you don't really want to respond, but are you really then 
communicating what you need to communicate or are you just responding to respond? Right. Like, it's like when you're having a conversation and, you know, you're listening to have a response instead of just listening to understand. I think that if you respond to an email immediately, you are responding to respond and you are not really maybe understanding. And it's hard to flip that switch and try to view it from and understand, you know, where they're at and where they're coming from. But if you can take that time and give yourself that time to respond and craft a response. And, you know, there are times when I will even like, if I craft an email, I will read it to someone. Doesn't have to be something in education, but I'm like, can you just tell me like, does this come off not knowing the situation? Does this like come off the wrong way? Because sometimes again, when I'm trying to say in my mind sounds great, I know what I mean. But to somebody on the outside that they would read it and be like, no, that's, that's not the greatest way to say that. Or that sounds like this. You know, Andrea shared a lot of comments that we've been throwing up on the screen the past few, uh, past few minutes. And I really liked her um, evaluation of like that three paragraph mark. Like if you're getting three paragraphs in an email, immediately assume a phone call. And, and that I think is a really, really simple rule to have the back in your mind that of course there's always exceptions, but that's an easy one. And then I think like this idea she's sharing here is about like cool down is very, very true. Everybody needs to cool down. Um, you know, I have a, an amazing colleague. I work with so many incredible educators, but one specifically, she's so bright, like almost to the point that you're like intimidated to talk to her because she's so smart, but she always has the best advice. And one of the things that she emphasizes a lot during team meetings or anything in between is about the concept of like, this is our job, but that is their life, right? So like when they go to work all day and then come home, they're now in their personal world, right? Their personal life. And so when they hear about things at school, when parents hear things, they're responding out of the lens of saying, this is my child. I care about them. I need to know they're well taken care of. I, I, it's my responsibility. It's my goal to make sure that they have everything that I can offer them in the world. So we need to really see that perspective. On the flip side, though, this is our our profession. This is our job. So our timelines of when we can respond to emails, also give yourself permission for those to be different. A parent emailing at 11.15 at night is actually data for all of us saying, oh, they were up late. I assume they had a bad day. This must have really been on their heart because... They must have gone throughout their entire day and then really felt like this email needed to be sent. So there's actually a lot of good perspective we can gain there. But then as a professional, you know, we start our day here in just a few minutes. I have to teach all day. I won't have a break. So it's okay that I don't get to the email right away. Because again, I'm not getting to a lot of my emails until later today because that's just what the day looks like. So um, trying to find that balance between they're speaking from a, an emotional space because this is their emotional personal life, we need to always speak from a professional lens because this is our job. Does that make sense? No, it really does. I actually think about it too, in terms of like, I I think I compare it to my reaction. Like, you know, let's say your district is implementing some new tool Mm -hmm. and they're like, it's best for your kids. You're going to, because you know, your kids, you love your kids and they're your kids that you work with. So you know what they need. And so my first reaction is always truly usually to question what it is, why we're getting it and how it's going to be best for my kids. And if I feel that way about my kids that I've known since August, then I completely understand a parent emailing me about their child and the concerns that they have. You know, 
it's the concerns are valid. And sometimes it just, you, it, you just need to have that conversation. And then it's, again, it's that like misunderstanding piece sometimes, or just, you know, not lack of communication, but just mis miscommunication at times, or, you know, not having the full story. So I think that that, that's a huge piece. And we've said from the beginning, Megan, you and I have had this conversation a million times that especially now more than ever, but especially now we're not only educating students, we're educating communities on, on the goings on of our classroom. And so um, the parent voiced a concern that I know is actually something that that isn't a concern, but they don't know that. And so rather than being frustrated that they're upset about something that I know doesn't exist, I really need to create my mindset to say, well, yeah, if you don't know this, that's my fault. Like I should have educated you. I should have helped in some way so that this concern didn't exist because I had, you know, like I think that that's important that we really think about how we're supporting our parents because we can't assume that they know. That's not fair. They have full, full busy lives. And I assume their sixth or seventh grade math class isn't the only thing that they're really dedicated to when they get home from school. So people miss information. And I think that that is important for us to recognize and, and know that that's appropriate and that we're just trying to be partners in the process. Yeah. And I think like, it's like, it's okay that like, you know, okay. So you, you might feel like you missed something or you could have, okay, well, I could have told them this before, or I could have like, it's okay that that happened yeah. now, if anything, it just says, okay, so this, this is something that maybe wasn't as clear as it should be, or maybe, you know, I didn't say this doesn't mean you can't say it now. doesn't mean you can't have that conversation. So it's, it's also a point in time too, of like, we're not perfect. And you wouldn't be if you were in your classroom either. So the things that are happening now, like it, it's going to happen in, it happens in your classroom and you, you fix it. You just go with it. It's, you have the conversation. Now, you know, now that's something that probably next year, is going to be in your mind of like, okay, so this happened, you know, maybe I had one, two, three parents that kind of questioned or had this question throughout the year, throughout the months, like that's something that I can cover at the beginning. It's again, it's a learning curve. It's what we, every day we're, we learn something new. Totally true. I like Danielle's question. She's kind of shifting us a little bit, but she's talking about more like the process. So we've talked a lot about getting emails that um, are challenging to read because it, you know, criticizes or, you know, makes claims that make, you know, make teachers not so thrilled. Then we discussed like this transition of how can you, how can you prevent that in the future by being proactive? How can you respond to it now? We also talked about, you know, changing it from an email to a phone call, which I always is my go-to anytime I work with people. I'm sure people that have emailed me, you know, that even on emails that don't have like concerning content, I'm like, can we just hop on the phone? I'm such a phone person. Let's just talk. Um, Danielle's asking about then what comes after that. So you send an email. Do you send an email after the phone call to summarize the phone call? And I think there's two perspectives on this, Megan. So when you initially hear this question of like, okay, so I called, we had a conversation. Does an email come then after? Um, I would say not all the time, but I do think that one of the pieces, and this is probably part of almost every phone call I end up having, um, is that like, there's some piece of whether it's my classroom or even just like the school day or some piece of organization that maybe the parent doesn't have or a resource that they don't have or, you know, don't know about. So one of the ways I think to send, if, if you're somebody who maybe wants to send the email to summarize to kind of be like, this is what we talked about. You could 
you know, on the phone, Hey, I'm going to send you this resource. Like we have a, uh, a team website where it really just has like every piece of information you would ever need to know about our team. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's one thing that I direct parents to because, because it has everything. So if you go to this one site, you are going to be able to find everything you need about our team. So I think that that's one way to spin it too, is, you know, like, Hey, thank you. Like, I'm so glad we had this conversation. Here's one of the resources that I talked about, you know, please let me know if you need any other support. So it's kind of a way of summarizing, but also being able to like include maybe something that you talked about on the phone that you were going to send them to make sure that they have. Yeah, I think that's an easy, like dead fast rule, Megan, is if you are referring to something in the email, don't ask them to go find it. Tell them you will send it to them. So make it easy where you can say, hey, I know that like this website will help you rather than walking them through how to find that website. Just be like, I'm going to email it to you right after this phone call. So that I think is like very easy. Make it easy for them. That's going to help a ton. And then I think the other thing, Megan, is kind of sending an email after allows you to further emphasize the things you really wanted them to hear. And I want to preface, I do not mean the bullet points that you as a teacher was like, let me make sure you heard this. That's not what I mean. I mean, the things that you wanted them to hear was that you appreciate the work they're doing, was that you are so thrilled that you were able to have a dialogue and that you care about their kid. I don't mean the, oh, by the way, I just want to let you know I've been teaching for 25 years and I do know what I'm doing. That's not what you put in an email, but just this idea of like, you don't understand how much I really value that you took the time to hop on a call with me because I care about your child so much and I want them to be successful. And you taking the time to help me be successful in supporting them better is something that I really, really value about you. So this is an opportunity for you to be kind of like a cheerleader and repair and continue to foster that positive connection with family members for sure. So Jeff put a funny comment here. It says, I just got an email from Facebook that asked us to shut down this live stream. Turns out their servers can't handle all this awesomeness on screen at once. I just want you to know that I didn't read this comment all the way through. So when you were talking, Megan, and I saw just got an email from Facebook, I was like, oh no, what we do? <laughs> I read that first part and I was like, oh no. And then I kept reading. I was like, oh. Yeah. Um, Jeff says, as a parent, extra communication, asking for feedback, being transparent about what they don't know, et cetera, has always been so appreciated. Our kids and teachers have been great with this. I'm so glad, glad to hear that. And it looks like a lot of people are hopping onto their first uh, support call with students, which is awesome. Megan, we've been live for almost an hour. I know that we're going to wrap up this daily drop-in. First off, I want to thank you for having that conversation with me because I kind of needed it. I feel like sometimes during the daily drop-in, we take questions and we're happy to support every single educator that pops on wanting to talk about things. But I needed this this morning. So thank you so much for the ideas, the confirmation, the support. Like, I just always appreciate chatting with you. Um, and I love hearing about all the things you're doing in your classroom because I'm such a fan of the work that you do. Um, but on the flip side, Megan, I think before we go, we should probably highlight some things going on with the team. What are your thoughts on that? Um, absolutely. I feel like there's so much going on. So much. Okay. So either let's talk a uh, daily drop in 12 hour live swag promo code gift a grid. Which one, which one should we talk about in what order? Give me, give me one. Let's talk about daily drop in since okay. we're on that now and daily drop in. We're thrilled you guys are here. They end on Friday. So make sure you join us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 8 30 AM Eastern 
So much discussion, so many incredible guests still left the rest of the week. And I do want to give a special shout out that if you've missed any episodes, these are all recorded and saved. So you can actually go back and watch the daily drop-ins that happened back in March, that happened in August, that happened in, in November and December. We are here for it. So they are streamed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, but they're also bonus episodes of Teach Better Talk podcast. So if you're looking for those, go find your platform and uh, you can check out all the episodes, all the guests. And just as a special note to make your life a little easier, if you don't want to go hunting, if you go to the teachbetter.com slash blogs, which is our blog site where we publish a blog every single day, if not um, more than one blog, uh, you will see that the daily drop-ins actually are all documented there. So you can like scroll through the blogs and find every single one that we've done just as a heads up. Megan, what's next? 12-hour live, gift a grid, um, or swag. swag. Okay, good. Which one? Let's do gift a grid. Gift a grid. Yay. Okay. So we're doing a gift a grid campaign in the month of December. We're encouraging every single educator to upload one resource to nonprofit education blueprint that is just aiming to create a safe space for educators to share their resources, not just downloadable tools like Teachers Pay Teachers, but also websites, apps, books, anything in between that will help you be a better educator in an effort to support every single educator worldwide to have access to valuable materials, regardless of their socioeconomic status and the socioeconomic status of their students. So please go check that out. Uh, if you will share one resource, one activity, one worksheet, one book that you love, one website that you're using, share one thing, and you will be uh, so generously offering a tool to a teacher uh, this December, which we really appreciate. So now we only have two left, Megan. Do you want to talk about 12 hour live or swag? Let's talk about swag. Swag! I love swag. Guys, there's so much going on with swag that hasn't really even come out yet, but we're spilling the beans right now that you can get swag starting later this week on our swag store. We have a new collection coming. We have a 25% off code. That's just my sneak peek for you. You will see details being pushed out like crazy later this week. So keep your eye out. But of course, up until later this week, when you finally get access to those, all those tools, there are already swag options available, but there will be more coming. So that will be kind of exciting. I can't wait for that. Cannot wait. Last one, Megan, 12 hour live. You ready? I am. So, I mean, I am so ready. I feel like the last 12 hour live, like got some big shoes. That was pretty, that was pretty epic. I'm so stoked. Yeah, everybody mark your calendars, please. December 29th, we are doing 12 hour live, no break. We are going straight through from 8 a.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern. We have so many guests coming on. I literally couldn't name all of them because we have so many guests coming on and we will be releasing an agenda for that soon. So you'll be able to see all the guests that will be joining the Teach Better family during that 12 hour live on December 29th. But I will tell you, we're not releasing everybody. So there will be some people that are surprise guests. There will be some things like that, like special giveaways we won't be announcing. And Megan, we actually just confirmed there's going to be a whole lot of surprise announcements. So we cannot wait for that experience on December 29th, 8 a.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be epic. It really is. So you do not want to miss like even a minute of the 12 hours. So just like, yeah, mark it on your calendar. Sorry, you're busy for 12 hours. You Seriously. Seriously, have a 
It'll be fine. It'll be good. All right, Megan, we need to head out. We both need to go teach this morning and get set for everything else going on. But for everybody here, we hope you have an incredible day. Please take care of yourselves. Please continue to ask questions and connect with educators to help you be a little bit better today than you were yesterday and a little bit better tomorrow than you were today. And Megan, again, thanks so much for being a part of this conversation. I love when we're able to catch up. Me too. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. So fun. All right, for everybody, we will see you guys later.